Have you ever felt confused as to whether you're an introvert or an extrovert? Maybe felt really overwhelmed or overstimulated in certain situations, but you really enjoy being with people. It's almost confusing. Well, for me, I kept getting my feelings hurt in a way that was totally disproportionate to the offense, meaning that slow to text back response or whatever other slight infraction wasn't that big of a deal, but it really hurt. So I did what any normal human being would do and started Googling. And I found out that I'm a highly sensitive person who happens to be an extrovert, which apparently makes up for only 6% of the population. But I wonder, is it higher? I invited expert Jen Turnham on the show to break it down for us as she has a thriving international group developed to support this community. I never knew this even existed. And is there a possibility that you might fall into this category? Well, let's find out today. And quick plug, I'm starting an adventure club for overstimulated folks who need a change of pace. Sign up for my weekly newsletter at allisonhair.com and I'll give you all the details. If you'd like to listen to these episodes ad-free and early and support an independent podcaster, that's me. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash culture changers or go to allisonhair.com for the direct link. All right. I have been chasing Jen Turnham for a little while. I'm really excited to have you on. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So it's in the morning. It's tomorrow in Australia and I'm here in Atlanta in the US and it's yesterday for you. (laughs) I like to say hello from the future. (laughs) Hello from the future. That's right. I have really been, I don't know if struggling is the word, but I've been redefining a lot of my relationships because I am very extroverted, um, but also highly sensitive. And I didn't realize that that was actually a trait and a classification to be a highly sensitive person who's an extrovert. And I started Googling And up came your name and up came this enormous Facebook group, this global Facebook group of HSP extroverts, highly sensitive person extroverts. Can you tell me more about this? Yeah, so it was it was quite a revelation for me as well. So I've got a psychology degree, but when I was doing my degree, it was around the same time that Dr. Elaine Aaron was doing all the research that basically defined highly sensitive people. So we'd never studied it in my degree. And so it wasn't until many years later, going back maybe six or seven years now, that I discovered that I was a highly sensitive extrovert. And it's basically the way it came about was my dad, who is a psychologist as well, he for some reason, never knew that he was an introvert. I always knew that about him, but he didn't seem to get that about himself. So he gave me the book Quiet by Susan Cain. Yes. The purpose of giving me that book was really to actually help me understand the introverts in my life more because I'm pretty much surrounded by male introverts. So my dad, my brother, my fiancé, my fiancé's father, they're all very introverted and I'm obviously not And so dad gave me this book and I feel a bit bad because I feel like I got more out of the book for me than I did for Uh the purpose he was giving it to me because Susan Cain in the book talks about highly sensitive people. And so that was the first time that I had 
stumbled across the concept. And as she described it, I, it was like this light bulb going off in my mind. I just straight away thought, wow, I'm pretty sure this is me. So like you, I started Googling and I found Dr. Elaine Aaron's page. And it really was a revelation for me too, because as I think most HSP extroverts can relate to, often we grow up thinking there's something wrong with us. And that's partly because one of the skills of a HSP is we're sensitive to subtlety. So we get this sense that there's something different about us and we don't quite fit. So I grew up thinking there was something wrong with me. And, but it wasn't a real, real conscious thing. It was just kind of sitting below the surface. So to, yeah, to like learn, a little irritation, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just that, that little sense that like, if you asked what was wrong, you probably wouldn't be able to voice it. But then when you stumble across HSPs, it kind of is the missing piece of the puzzle. So I loved learning about that for myself because obviously studying psychology, I'm fascinated about human behavior. I've always analyzed myself my entire life. So it was really great to finally have that understanding, complete understanding of myself, because I always knew that I was an extrovert, but finding the HSP piece really helped to understand. And so due to it being such a revelation to me, it was at the time in my business where I was trying to get more specific in who I wanted to help because all the all the kind of teaching out there is you've got to have a niche, you've got to have a niche. And like, I thought yeah, I had yeah, one, yeah. but then right. it wasn't quite as specific. So my message wasn't really landing with, with people. So when I came across that, the, the fact that I was a HSP extrovert, I thought, well, that's perfect. I would love to help this group of women who I know probably feel like I do, which is that perhaps there's something wrong with us and we don't quite fit anywhere in society. So the more I looked into it, then I obviously learnt that we are a minority within a minority because the majority of HSPs are introverts. In fact, for those listeners who perhaps this is a, a newer concept, HSPs make up about 15 to 20% of the population. So about one in five people that you meet will be a HSP. But of that 15 to 20%, a whopping 70% of them, that's seven zero are introverts. So pretty much all the the articles, the books out there, pretty much are, they're making kind of an assumption that they're talking to HSP introverts just because the majority of HSPs are. Whereas 30% are extroverts. So there's a big chunk of us that are kind of getting missed in a lot of the articles and a lot of the information out there. So I knew that it was kind of also a really needed area. So that's where I pretty much narrowed my focus and decided to just help HSP extrovert women because obviously with my psychology degree, that gives me a, an added bonus in being able to help people. And the fact that I am a HSP extrovert myself, I think my clients find that reassuring and also I have a much greater understanding of the realities of life for them than somebody who's not a HSP extrovert. So the rest is history. And as you said, my group is now international and it's such a joy to be, to see women blossoming and growing and, and having that understanding about themselves. Well, you've done a lot of proactive, great work to connect some of these people as well. Um, But I wanted to back up for a second or pause because 
we've we've had Alyssa Boyer on the podcast before talking all about highly sensitive people. So can you define, I want to back up just a minute. Can you define what a highly sensitive person is? Okay. I'll try and keep this short because I can probably <laughs> talk for an hour just on the definition of HSP. It's so fascinating. <laughs> so I do have a free info session that if anybody would like to um, Good. view that, that's a bit more detail. But I'll just give the short version. So Dr. Elaine Aaron actually has a quiz and I've got a quiz as well. But the best way to identify whether you're a HSP is using the four DOES criteria, D-O-E-S. So if you fall into all four of these categories or you can relate to all four of these things that I describe, you need to have all of them. So you can't just have one and be a HSP. You what have is the to... four? Yeah. What are so the four things? DOES is depth of processing, overstimulation, emotional reactivity, and responsiveness and empathy and sense of subtleties. So I'll go through wow. each of those in a little bit more detail and I'm sure you'll be able to relate to all of them. So the D, depth of processing, the easiest way to describe this is overthinkers. So if you've ever mm. thought to myself, I'm an overthinker, I can't get out of my head, I'm stuck in my head, a classic. Ruminating. Yes. Yeah. 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 So and the the just to clarify that though, the depth of processing, because this is one of the ones that really frustrates a lot of my clients, is that they can't get out of their head and they talk about rumination. So what I try and teach is that depth of processing for us is actually normal and it's really important to kind of recognise when we fall into rumination, which is that kind of unhelpful going round and round and round in our head. Whereas if we can mm -hmm. accept that we are going to process everything deeply, then it's actually mm. a real a really helpful place to get to. So an example of our depth of processing, just to put it really simply, if you go to a social event as a HSP, when you leave that social event, you will start to think about what you said, who you said it mm -hmm. to, did I offend that person? Oh, my gosh, I can't yeah. believe I said that. I'm really They clearly hate me. <laughs> Everybody hates me. <laughs> so your brain just kind of essentially analyzes. I overdid it, right. Yeah, analyzes everything that you've just gone through for the night. And if you watch a non-HSP, like my fiancé is definitely not a HSP, he'll come home from a night out at a, a social event and he will just fall into bed, fall asleep as soon as his head hits the pillow, doesn't really give the night a second thought, whereas I'm laying there, my mind's like just basically processing everything that's happened. So that's the depth of processing and it it is more than just um, repetitive thoughts as well. So what our brain does is it looks for links and um, connections and so it's really quite an in-depth process it's not just kind of repetitive thoughts going round and round I relate to this yeah I get this I thought you might so the next one is also quite obvious for people who are HSPs when I describe it oh overstimulation so basically our nervous system is gets more easily overstimulated than a non-HSP so we struggle with loud noises crowds itchy fabrics like I've got this jumper that I wear mm. that's got a, a really itchy tag on it and it just bugs me all day every time I wear it um, so anything that kind of is bombarding our nervous system with information we can get overstimulated even something as simple as a long commute 
can be overstimulating for us. I remember I was at a conference once and it was supposed to finish at five o'clock. Seven o'clock, we were still there. The guy was still droning on and I was just done. I just couldn't <laughs> take any more because I was overstimulated. So that's also a really big challenge for HSPs mm. because we live in a society that is very stimulating. <laughs> so if you think we all have a device in our hands, usually 24-7. So it's really important for HSPs to take some steps to calm their nervous system down when they start to feel that overstimulation happening. The E is also really interesting. So emotional responsiveness, reactivity and empathy. So we have very, very high levels of empathy compared to non-HSPs. And the way this often plays out, I find that a lot of HSPs I talk to when they meet people, they end up very quickly becoming like a sounding board or people will tell you their life story mm-hmm. when you've just met them because they sense that that empathy in us and we obviously say things and do things which show that we are able to empathise with their situation. And there's, there's a brain science behind all of this, but the, the empathy comes out where we actually have more mirror neurons than non-HSPs. So mirror neurons is basically when the same neurons are firing in my head that would be firing in your head when you're experiencing perhaps a certain emotion. So it's not that we actually feel the feelings, but we can empathise with the feelings. So if we actually feel the feelings, that's when you're moving into the realm of what they call being an empath, which is a little Mm -hmm. bit different again. But HSPs have very high levels of empathy and the emotional responsiveness and reactivity, the the best way to describe that is obviously everybody has emotions and if you imagine that your emotions are graphed, you'd have highs and lows throughout the day, throughout the weeks. Mm. The peaks and troughs of that graph for a HSP are much higher and much lower. So our emotions are much more pronounced, much more intense than non-HSPs. And with the extroverts, they also are more external, so it's easier to see them. So at the moment, I'm just talking about HSPs in general, obviously, because the DOES criteria apply to all of them. So big emotions. So I know that the way this plays out in my life is My dad has always struggled with my big emotions because when I'm happy and when I'm excited, it's just a bit overwhelming for him. Whereas when I'm sad or devastated, then that's obviously really hard as my father to to see me in, in such a state. And I have to kind of reassure him, dad, this is just me. My, I'm not kind of well, I suppose I am more devastated than what I would be if I wasn't a HSP, but that's just part of who I am and it's not something that you can fix. It's not something that you need to actually counsel me out of. It is just who I am having these big emotions. And the last in the criteria S is sensitive to subtleties. So we notice things without even trying that non-HSPs don't. So we're the ones who are going to notice if you have a haircut or if you've slightly changed your hair colour. This is one that really is one of our superpowers because we can also really notice subtle changes in facial expressions, tones of voice. So for those listeners who have a partner, if you 
ask your partner or have I done something to upset you? It's because you're sensing something in them that has shifted and more often than not you're right and they are upset with you or that you've done something to offend them. Uh, so that's another one of our superpowers is being able to sense subtleties. So that's the four does criteria. I am uh, like welling up with tears a little bit because I have felt like the the sensitivity towards subtleties. I have always been able to do that to the point where I don't know how to turn it off. And uh, I always felt and, and sense that this is a superpower in some way. And really my differentiator as a podcaster, as somebody that can interview or that interviews people, it has also, when I think about the highs and lows, things tend to hurt more. <laughs> like the highs and lows tend to be more pronounced. And the way that I discovered it is my son, I'm in my son's bedroom now, he's nine. And a couple years ago, I noticed that he just sensed things so intensely. And I was concerned, like, is he depressed? Is he anxious? And I talked to a good friend of mine that is very wise. And she's like, I think you might have a highly sensitive person on your hands. And I was like, what is that? He, she's like, it's an actual thing. And so as a, we started to explore this and we got him a play therapist and I started to kind of empath empathetically be in his shoes. And I was like, holy shit, this is how I felt, but I've always suppressed it. I've always faked it. I've always stuffed it down so that I wouldn't be too much. I didn't want to be too much. And so ever since then, it uh, it has been this push and pull of like being full out and I'm full out on this podcast, right? But like in my regular life, I am redefining, as I said, relationships where I feel like my natural protection is I, I don't want to be too much. I don't want to push people away. So instead, I push myself away and didn't go further. And so this feels like an awakening for mm -hmm. me. And I, I imagine that, as you said, there were 6% of the population that could theoretically be categorized by as HSP extroverts. And I would venture to say it's probably more. I just don't think we've had a language for it. The fact that I'm learning it now, like I'm super as self-aware as I possibly could be almost too self-aware where I just assume everybody hates me because I'm too much and just back up. So I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a couple of things that I can add to that. So first okay. of all, I think it's beautiful to hear that this feels like an awakening for you because it that, does. And I get, to, oh, you're making me teary now <laughs> just hearing about that. And I think it is such a common common challenge that HSP extroverts in particular have is that we because as you say we play full out and when we're at 100 proof we can be quite full on and so many of us in fact I think every single HSP extrovert I've spoken to has had the experience of feeling like I'm too much so we dim ourselves down we make ourselves quieter as you described we push ourselves away because we don't want to push yes. other people away and mm -hmm. I think that that is so sad because I think that 
it really is just a case of society doesn't understand us. And if society was different, I think the strengths that we bring to the world would be celebrated so much more. And so that's what I encourage all HSP extroverts to do is to focus on the beautiful aspects of your trait, the beautiful aspects of your nature and playful out. And if people can't handle you, they're just not your people and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to remember that not everybody is going to like us, whether we're HSP or not. People are not going to like you. You don't like everybody. So I don't like everybody. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think it's such a it's such a powerful thing to be able to step into your uniqueness as a HSP extrovert. And that's what I really encourage all my ladies to do. And the other thing I just wanted to address, because I think it's really important, was you mentioned your son, you think he's HSP. I yeah. think we are at a point in the world where we have the power to raise a very, very powerful, very, very different generation of HSPs because most of us grew up thinking there was something wrong with us. And it's not until we learn about Dr. Elaine Aaron's research, thank you so much to her for doing this, is that we actually go, oh, it's a thing. I'm not abnormal. There isn't something wrong with me. Whereas because the research is relatively new when it comes to society and how long we've been existing for, then most of us do feel that way. Whereas now, because it's becoming much more well-known, it's still not well-known, but it's much better known than it ever was, we have this absolute amazing opportunity to raise a generation of HSPs who own how unique they are they own their strengths they step into their power as opposed to feeling like there's something wrong with us and I just am so excited to see a world where HSPs own their stuff because I just think that we can literally change the world if we are allowed to own our stuff and and live in our strengths rather than feeling like we have to hide away from from the world. So the best thing you can do as a HSP parent is to just normalize their experience and just teach them that this is okay to be you. It's yes, you might be a little bit different to the rest of the world, particularly if you're a HSP extrovert. <laughs> you're different to most people, but it's about normalizing that and and getting them to focus on the because being a HSP has so many absolutely beautiful aspects to mm-hmm. it that it's about focusing on that. And Elaine Aaron talks about the only reason that HSPs have struggles in society is because society doesn't understand us, because we're a minority. It's the same as any minority group. They have struggles because they're not understood. And so if we can actually start to educate the world, and that's part of my mission is to educate the world about how amazing HSP extroverts are, I think that that can make a big difference to the younger HSPs that are growing up in this time. So I heard you say on an interview something very, very bold and that our evolution as people is HSP. I don't know if it's HSP extroverts, but but being on the forefront of a different culture is waving that flag. Can you talk more about that? It's a bold statement. <laughs> it is, yes. And, yeah, so just to clarify for, for people, I do believe that. So, and the reason, so what I believe is that being a HSP 
your brain and your nervous system is more highly evolved than non-HSP. So I do believe we are the next level of evolution. And part of the reason I believe that is because there's so much research out there that shows the evolutionary advantage of being HSP. So an example of that that I think Elaine Aaron gives is if there's like a herd of, of wild horses, for example, 20% of them will be highly sensitive horses. And then they're the ones that sense when there's a predator in the area. Mm. They're the ones that kind of generate the stampede that ends up saving the lives of all of the other horses. So if you look at that same situation in the human population, it's the same thing. There are evolutionary advantages to being HSP. The non-HSPs are going to hate me for saying that. But I believe it's true. And so if HSPs are encouraged to live in their strengths, then I truly believe that we have the opportunity to change the world and for the better. I love you saying that. And it's funny because as I think of my son, who is an HSP introvert, I talk to him in that way that he is the greatest thing, like, like embrace your difference. You know, you're never going to be like other people, but you will find your people. But then when I talk to myself, it's a different tune. You know what I mean? And, uh, it's, it's an interesting commentary about, first of all, our self-talk. And when I think about my own experience, you know, like I, tend to have my closest friends or introverts. So my feelings are hurt all the time. You know what I mean? I'm like ready to go out and see them. And they're like, I need, I need to plug in. You know, I need to go underground for a little while. I'm always like, oh, I get it. But oh, what's wrong with me? I think there is something to be said about regulating or at least kind of figuring out how to regulate your own emotions in a way that you know that they're going to be kind of these swings and also the self-talk. And so, you know, one of the things I, I have noticed in your Facebook group and also in interviews that you've done is that, and you try and really, really police this in your group, is that it's not a place to go and bitch about it. It is how do we celebrate the things that are so wonderful and unique about us and just to be with like-minded people. So how would you go about coaching those highs and lows and, and regulating? Mm-hmm. So I think it probably is a good opportunity to bring in the concept of hypersensitivity. So yes, hypersensitivity is... A topic that I can sometimes get up on my soapbox about because what I see in particularly a lot of the larger HSP groups is what you're talking about. So there's people going in there bitching and whinging and complaining about this happens to me or life sucks because I'm a HSP. But what I believe is that a lot of them are actually not HSP. So there's a difference between the concept of hypersensitivity and being a highly sensitive person. Now, hypersensitivity basically is the inability to regulate your emotions. So you've never been taught to regulate your emotions. So an example of how this might play out in life is, let's say you work in an office, you say something to a colleague, they get offended, they have this kind of histrionic 
hysterical outbreak and nothing you say can calm them down, even to the point where the next day where you think you might try and kind of rectify the situation, you actually go to them and you try and apologise and then they just won't have a bar of it. You set them off again. Then you find out they've gone and complained to HR about you and put in a formal complaint. That's an example of somebody being hypersensitive where it's not part and parcel of being HSP. Can HSPs be hypersensitive? Yes, of course they can, because many HSPs have never been taught to regulate their emotions. However, people in the general population, so non-HSPs, can also be hypersensitive. So my big bugbear is when there are non-HSPs out there being hypersensitive and blaming it on being a HSP and not doing anything about it. So this is something that I'm really passionate about in terms of, yes, we do need to learn to regulate our emotions. And I think the first step in that is is to recognise that we do have big emotions, but it's also about, I suppose, owning those big emotions as opposed to expecting other people to put up with our big emotions. So, yes, they should hmm. to a certain extent because yeah. we what can't help what does that look like? It. Yeah. What does that look like in so, practice? Let me try and think of an example. That's a challenging question. Um, I, I think what you're saying is that having expectations for other people to accommodate you is probably a losing battle. If I'm understanding this correctly, but if it is something of just, okay, how can I take ownership over these big emotions? I wonder, you know, am I hypersensitive? I'm not a person that cries often. I get annoyed with people that cry at everything. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, oh, here it comes again. Here it comes again. Why am I, you know, why can't, why can't I just be cool? And so <laughs> I wonder what is the difference, you know? So I think, I think you've probably hit the nail on the head there in terms of it's about the expectations you have of, yourself and others so say for example your dog dies that's going to be really devastating for hsp because we are very in tune with nature and animals as well so we have quite a deep connection with our pets usually so if your dog dies and you're not let's so let's talk about the concept of hypersensitivity versus high sensitivity so if you're being hypersensitive then it'll be things like any time a person mentions your dog or even their dog you have this kind of meltdown breakdown and expect mm. everybody to kind of oh you poor thing you poor thing so i think there's an element of maybe playing the victim as well in in the hypersensitivity mm. whereas if you're owning your big emotions it's along the lines of it's almost like not apologising for them but explaining to people, just say, hey, my dog died, I'm a HSP, I'm a little bit emotional at the moment, I'm going to have some big outbursts but I'm not going to expect you to put up with them or you to fix me. I'm going mm. to kind of maybe take myself away in that situation if I am that's having That's a very this- powerful statement. Yeah, that's a very powerful ownership. I love that. Thanks. I'm glad it made sense because it took me a while to get there. I was trying to think, how do I explain this? So, yeah, it's about owning that and not expecting other people to fix you. I think that's the, the difference. 
Mm. I think that's a really powerful ownership and a reframe that I think is really important. So you work with people in a coaching capacity. You have this really large group of people. What do you know that you wish other people could know? Um, so many things. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the main ones, particularly the HSP extroverts, because I don't think the introverts potentially experience this as much because they're much more insular and inwards focused. But the extroverts, you are going to be too much for some people, and that's okay. It doesn't mm. mean that you need to dim your light make yourself quieter, make yourself smaller. It just means you need to find different people if the ones that you're hanging out with. Because I think about my two best friends, they they love me because I'm a HSP. Like that's that's the part of me that they almost love the best, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's not yes. about putting up with it. It's the fact that they see my strengths and they see the beauty of being a HSP and they love me for it. So that's what I mean about finding your people. And it's there's also a difference taking on from what we've just talked about is that, yeah, it's not expecting them to put up with you warts and all. I believe all HSPs have a responsibility to learn to overcome the challenges of being a HSP. And as I said, the challenges really are just because we live in a society that doesn't really understand us and it's not really set up for the HSP brain or the HSP nervous system. But I believe it's our responsibility to do the work to overcome the challenges that come with being a HSP. And the work is so rewarding. And the other thing about the work that I wanted to mention is HSPs have what's called vantage sensitivity. And this is a, a double-edged sword, really, because what it means is that if basically HSPs who grow up in a less than ideal childhood will be more damaged than non-HSPs in the exact same environment. So that's the kind of negative side of this vantage sensitivity but on the positive side we respond so much better faster and more effectively to coaching therapy and helpful interventions like that so the ability to grow and the ability the ability to overcome as a hsp is really powerful and that's why i encourage everybody to do the work because then it allows you to live in your strengths rather than wallow in the maybe not so helpful aspects of being a HSP. Yeah. What is an example of what the work could be in this sense? Okay, so um, I'll give an example for HSP extroverts because that's really my topic. That's your, yeah, that's your jam, right. <laughs> so the, one of the biggest challenge that I find challenges HSP extroverts have is balance. And overwhelm is never very far away for us. And the reason for that is because if you're a HSP extrovert, you've, you've heard me describe the, the characteristics of HSPs, the characteristics of an extrovert are pretty much opposite or contradictory to those of the HSP trait. So it's like I call HSP extroverts walking contradictions. It's like yeah. we have two aspects of our personality that are often in direct competition with each other. So what often happens with HSP extroverts is we our extrovert side might be winning, so we might be out peopling, getting this external stimulation. Peopling, that we need. I like that. 
<laughs> it's, it's a classic term that I love to use for HSP extroverts is we need peopling. We need to do some peopling yes. if we haven't done enough because our extrovert side will be craving that. Whereas what happens is then we get to a point where our HSP side gets overstimulated and we need to actually take some downtime and, and do some recovery. But what I find the biggest challenge with HSP extroverts is it's almost like and this is partly because of the society we live in, it's almost like they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. They see other extroverts who aren't HSPs out there doing what extroverts do and they think they should be able to do that too. So they end up living on the brink of overwhelm. So mm. what the, the way I differentiate overwhelm and overstimulation is overstimulation is we might get a little bit frazzled and a little bit our nervous system might be a little bit overstimulated but then if we take some time out we bring ourselves back down to a place of equilibrium but what happens with hsp extroverts is we ignore that overstimulation we keep going and we essentially are climbing this ladder to the point of where we tip over the edge into overwhelm and hsps are not very nice to be around usually when they're in overwhelm <laughs> because you you think big emotions Mm -hmm. And you add overwhelm to that and it's really not a, a nice place to be. So yeah. one of the challenges is to recognise that. And so doing the work involves recognising that cycle that we live in because then what most, most HSP extroverts do, my client Carol gave me this analogy, she said instead of when we've hit that overwhelm, we've tipped over into overwhelm, instead of filling up our tank, to bring ourselves back down to equilibrium, we only put $5 in the tank. So what that uh -huh. means is then we've just kind of brought ourselves back a little bit from the brink and guess what? The next thing that happens that is quite often beyond our control, we've tipped over the edge into overwhelm again. So an example of doing the work is essentially recognising that cycle, bringing awareness mm. to it and actually taking action to start to break that cycle and a lot of that is going against society's expectations so for so one of my frustrations is the glory the glorification of busy so mm -hmm. busyness has become a status symbol and busyness is probably a hsp's worst enemy because that's what causes overstimulation and then we tip into overwhelm so the more we try and live up to society's expectations the worse we do usually. So it's about starting to break that cycle and not buy into society's expectations and just accepting that we are different, we're wired differently and that's okay and we just need to live our lives slightly differently so that we don't fall into these traps. So that was a very long answer to your question. What do you mean by doing the work? No, I think it's, but I think it's really important because I think that offering a framework in where you can thrive instead of feeling like, I'm so confused. Why, why can't I get this under control? Why uh, do I feel like I'm too much? Or what do you hope for HSP extroverts that can help us in the future? How do we turn our light brighter? not just dim our light, how do we lean into the HSPE that feels healthy to you? I think it starts with self-awareness, then aiming to get to a place of self-acceptance so that we're okay with who we are because mm. if we're okay with who we are, then it's going to be much easier to shine our light bright rather than dim it. And 
self-acceptance part of that I think and self and also part of self-awareness is doing the work to overcome the challenges so that we are being the best version of ourselves and mind you I believe that everybody should do the work whether they're a HSP or not because I I believe that's taking responsibility for my stuff I'm not expecting the world to put up with my stuff and my baggage Mm. I'm dealing with it so I think that applies to everybody not just HSPs but I think that's what I would hope for them is that they can get to a place where they've they've done some work they've overcome some challenges and they're accepting of the fact that they are HSP extrovert they can't change that but more than that it's actually a beautiful thing to be and living into that beautiful place rather than trying to hide away and trying to be like everybody else it's about like I think of the concept of unicorns like people don't believe they exist and I think that HSP extroverts kind of are unicorns. We're, we're these amazing creatures that if we actually live into that, we can actually bring so much beauty to the world. Mm, that's so lovely. So I know that you do coaching in the space. You have this Facebook group. How do people work with you? How can somebody get in touch with you, Jen? So the best place is to come hang out in my group because that's where I spend most of my time. So that's a free group. So if anybody would like to join that, but it is just for women only. Sorry, fellas. Um, So join the group. That's the best place to hang with me. And then from there, you get to know some of the other offerings I have. So for example, I'm running, I run free challenges in that group. So the overwhelm cycle that I just talked about, I've run an increase your inner peace free challenge a couple of times this year. I'm about to run beautiful boundaries challenge because setting boundaries is a big challenge I've found for HSPs so I'm running that in a couple of weeks and so that's where most of it happens and that's where you can also learn about working with me one-on-one I also have a group coaching membership for HSP extroverts as well so the group is the best place to come and come and start and I will say when I started looking up HSP extrovert there isn't a lot of support in this. You're like it. I thank you for seeing me and allowing me to to know that I wasn't alone. And I love that bright spark in the graphic that you had. I have it on my uh, Instagram and have had people reach out to me and say, oh my God, that's me. That's one of the most beautiful gifts that you can give is to see somebody. Thank you for being a guest on the show and thank you for your work out in the world. It's important. Thank you so much for finding me. You know, after I interviewed Alyssa Boyer last year about highly sensitive people, I'll link it in the show notes, I had heard a pretty profound response from folks feeling like, wait a minute, that's me. And they never knew. They never knew it existed. And I wonder if you feel that way about HSPEs, highly sensitive people that are extroverts. Well, be sure to connect with Jen Turnham and her Bright Sparks Bright Sparks Facebook group. I've linked everything in the show notes. As for me, I am very excited with the new direction that this podcast is headed in and would humbly ask for your support by becoming a sponsor at patreon.com forward slash culture changers and get all of your episodes ad free and early. As always, tell a friend, leave a review, be good to yourself, do more for yourself, and I'll see you next week.